I'm Matt. And I'm Jenna. We are Mana. And this is Food for Thought. A podcast dedicated to encourage and inspire you as you seek to grow your relationship with Christ and live out your Catholic faith. Today's episode, we continue our seven-part series on the seven deadly sins with a conversation on anger. Did you know that you can't hear pterodactyls go to the bathroom? Oh my gosh, no. Because the P is silent. Okay, that was dumb. (laughs) Hey everyone, Jenna's back. Hello! And we also have a special guest, our first guest on the podcast. (gasps) Who is it? It's your daughter, Adelaide. She's over there in the corner. She's being so cute. (laughs) Not like in trouble, but she's sleeping. So if you hear little baby noises, that's she's just chiming in her input. (laughs) But welcome to episode 24. Um, As we continue our series on the seven deadly sins, today we're talking about anger and wrath. But before we get into that, let's talk about Joy Junk Jesus. Okay. Well, Jenna, there's so where have much. you been? What is all of the joy and the junk and the Jesus? All of the joy and the junk and the Jesus. There's so much. Um, but one of my joys, obviously, has been seeing my family and Tony. Just uh, Tony being a father is just a beautiful and amazing thing to witness and watch. And it's also really hilarious. Because before, <laughs> when he was like, I'd tell him to talk to my stomach, mm-hmm. he'd say things like, hello, baby. And like not, <laughs> not talk at all to my Greetings. stomach. Yeah, and then now he's doing this baby talk that's hilarious, and I don't think he even knows he's doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really funny. So my joy is just my family and witnessing them be grandparents and aunts and everything, and it's just really fun. And then Tony being a father. My junk is that, so we call Adelaide, Adelaide the Destroyer, <laughs> because she's the destroyer of my body. She, like, destroyed me in labor. Um, it was cr- It was insane. So she's Adelaide the Destroyer, and so healing and everything has just been a long process, and mm-hmm. it's it's a junk, but it's good, but it's just taken a long time, and I'm finally back to, like, feeling normal and exercising, so that's good. Uh, my Jesus, I was in Mass the other day, and I was looking at the crucifix and thinking how insanely beautiful and crazy it is that um, women get to partake in, like, the sacrificial... Um, part of their body like they get to sacrifice their body for a baby and Mm -hmm. how we get to parallel that to Christ's sacrifice on Mm. the cross and obviously it's not even close to the suffering but it was just such a beautiful moment of sitting in mass and holding my child and getting to see how much I love her and how much he loves me in that Mm -hmm. moment and just the sacrifice of all of that intertwined so it was a really beautiful moment what about you my joy um, is that I've got to build things lately, which is <laughs> awesome. I'm building things for ministry, like out of wood. And um, we had a wood shop in my basement when I grew up in the mountains, and so I love doing that. I love the smell of like sawdust and um, you know using power tools. It's <laughs> awesome. Um, so that's been really cool. My junk is that um, I just have a lot of I've had a lot of big events to plan for that are coming up or happening right now. And so many changes and last minute things and Mm -hmm. like more and more responsibilities being placed on me like at the last moment. And that's just been frustrating that like, yeah, that's just been really frustrating. So, and overwhelming. But 
my Jesus moment, um, a lot of them have come through Hannah. And the other day I was, I was thinking, cause the other day there were readings about, um, that, you know, this comes to God as a fragrant aroma. And I was thinking about like the old Testament sacrifice and like how that is, how that was described. And that like when people sinned, it was like probably very displeasing, you know, the opposite. And then I was thinking about that while I was like changing Hannah's diaper <laughs> And I was like, this is not a fragrant aroma. But at the same time, like, I'm not like, why did you poop? Yeah. This is terrible, and I don't like you at all. I, of course I didn't think that. And so it was kind of like an image of, like, God looking at me when I sin, Just like, did you make a sin? Did you sin? And like, <laughs> of course you did. Like, you're a sinner. Like, you're, that's what we do. We are imperfect. <laughs> but, like, there was love in that. And it was just a really cool way for me to experience that not not like god was giving me permission to sin but like he kind of is with my free will i'm allowed to yeah. but like he what it, it was in it i i don't often experience like god's love in the moments of when i'm not doing what i'm supposed to be doing you know and so that was really cool to be reminded of that like he loves me equally no matter what mm -hmm. state of my my life or my heart so um in your baby's poop in that. <laughs> so today we're talking about anger. Um, this is episode six of the seven of our seven part series on the seven deadly sins and how they manifest in our lives and how we can avoid them. And so um, anger, I think, is pretty easy to define. I mean, it's you're angry. You know? <laughs> you're angry. Um, the way I've seen it written is like when anger is specific, specifically like when we spurn an opportunity to love. So when we like reject an opportunity to love and we turn instead toward fury or wrath, like I'm going to choose to respond to this differently than I could, mm -hmm. differently than maybe being sacrificial and setting aside my own frustrations, different than, um, you know, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And we respond with anger. Um, and typically what drives anger in my experience and a lot of the things that I was reading is two things, fear and insecurity. And a lot of times I think when we get afraid of something, instead of admitting our fear, we just like reject it and like very furiously or angrily just say like, that's stupid or like, I don't want to do that. That's ridiculous. Um, you know, shut down other ideas because we're afraid of change or we're afraid of the implications it might have for us. And then that also leads into insecurity um, where we can get angry at people because they're challenging us in a certain way or because um, they're not, we're not living up to some expectation that they may be putting upon us, whatever it might be. Um, and I think that's useful to think about because anytime you're in a fight with someone or you're dealing with someone who's really angry or you're dealing with a lot of anger to realize like there's always a story behind that anger. There's mm -hmm. always a source. There's always some type of pain some way that person feels small or afraid or insecure and to recognize like nobody wakes up in the morning to say like, I can't wait to just be in a state of rage today, <laughs> you know, like, and really wreck as many people's days <laughs> as possible. There might be some really like, like, um, I'll say like satanic type of people like that, but that is so rare. Mm -hmm. If even a reality for any of us in our lives to experience mm -hmm. for the most part, when we experience anger from other people, it's out of those two, two things. And anger, I, hmm. anger sometimes feels good. So like when you sit in your anger, you don't want to let it go. Like I, I know the other day I was praying, I was angry and I was praying, okay, Lord, just, 
let me have like a heart of forgiveness and a heart of understanding. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting there and I was like, no, I don't want a heart of understanding <laughs> and forgive. No, I don't want, I want to be angry. I don't want to like live in this and that it feels good sometimes. And so we have such a hard time mm-hmm. immediately going to that prayer of give me a heart of forgiveness or give yeah. me a heart of understanding because our body just has this reaction, but also Satan wants us to keep us in that anger and not allow our hearts to have a heart of forgiveness or understanding. Yeah. And I think there's, it's important to, um, delineate between anger and righteous anger Mm -hmm. or wrath and righteous anger. So like we see in scripture, like righteous anger, properly placed anger at things like injustice, irreverence, um, blasphemy. Like those are things that Jesus himself manifested. And my favorite story of this is when it's the money changers in the temple and Jesus, if you read closely, it says he went and he forged a whip. Like he went and took the time to make a whip out of whatever materials. And I could just imagine Jesus like, oh, I can't wait to get these people like, I'm going to make this whip. And it probably took like, like a long, I don't know how, I've never made a whip. Let's make a whip right now. I've never made a whip, but I (laughs) we have machines and tools and he, yes, he was a builder, but like he didn't have like the type of technology we do. So imagine this took, he was stewing. He also could have grabbed a stick. Like he, he could have like grabbed rocks. He like, he could have grabbed simple things. But he, he was like, the time. this is not going to get my point across. <laughs> I want you to know how angry I am. Um, and so to record, but it was, it was properly placed because the people were, were having a very serious sense of irreverence toward the temple and toward God because the money changers, which were, this is one thing that people don't understand. The money, money changers were supposed to be at the temple. Mm-hmm. They were because you weren't allowed to pay the temple tax with an effigy coin, which is a coin of someone's face on it. So you would change your money to get a proper type of coin to pay your temple tax. However, the money changers had gone inside to the the next, like the more reverent area, like inside to the sanctuary. Um, and that was where prayer was supposed to happen. And they were making, you know, a marketplace of the father's house, as Jesus points yeah. out. And that was not okay. Um, and so that, you know, responding to things like injustice in the world, um, or responding to um, things that just aren't how they should be, there is a proper placement of, of anger in those moments. Um, but there, I, you can tell the difference. You know, the anger isn't hateful. You know, you are responding in anger because you are recognizing that your your desire to love or your desire for things to be in their proper order mm-hmm. is is just so powerful in that moment so i don't know passion filled in that moment that you need to get it across in such a bold way but it's never out of a place of hate it's always out of a place of love like desiring to correct their behavior like Mm -hmm. jesus he wasn't like jesus walked in and started whipping everyone flipping over the tables and then calling down lightning so like all the people would all the money changers would immediately go to hell because he despised them like that's not what happened yeah he told them what they were doing that was wrong and why it was wrong from a place of love. Like he wanted them to understand the purpose of the temple. Correct. Um, and I think responding in the bold way that he did is probably a lot more memorable and a lot more meaningful than just saying like, Hey guys, could you like maybe move outside because like we're going to set up for temple right now and we need the space. Like that would not have gotten the point across. They would have been like, Oh, okay. Then we can be in here when there's, you know, yeah. you get the idea. So I also feel like Jesus is the only person that can like make a whip and run into a room 
and do something like that. Like Next if we time... ran into a classroom, we're like you're all sinners <laughs> and you're not learning correctly, or like our confirmation classrooms. Yes, yeah. Think I don't think that would go over well, very well. The situation that Jesus was in is unique to his time. Yes, I'm trying to think of an equivalent. I don't. I don't know. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like if. Like I don't know, do like, at, like at, at my church, we have like the, the people, the older people who come and play like Mahjong and like bridge and bridge. other games that I've never, they play Mahjong too. Other games that I've, I have no idea what Mahjong is. So if it was like 9am mass and you know, 915, they roll into mass with like their table set up in the back, it would be appropriate for the priest in the person of Jesus to be like, Get out. Like, what are you doing? You know, this That's is a, good, a place of reverence, you yeah. know, but most often, you know, we, I think we, this is something I think we use this story as an excuse for yeah. is to respond angrily because people aren't behaving the way we want them to, you know, Jesus dealt with that all the time and he didn't respond with anger all the time. He's responded with anger at serious moments of injustice or irreverence mm-hmm. um, that needed to be corrected immediately. Mm-hmm. But in the other instances, when people are just not doing what you want them to do, or they're frustrated, or they don't understand, you know, he would just use strong language, but he wouldn't um, do anything as bold. Um, and he also wouldn't, which is something that I see too often and hear too often, he wouldn't curse or use foul language. Oh, and I, Jenna and I were talking about this before we started recording. We can't stand cursing. Like, even the slightest bit, it's like, Why? And I think yeah. it's the reason we get frustrated by it is because it's become so commonplace even in the church. Yeah. And there are certain like things I can't watch, podcasts I can't listen to because that's just become commonplace and people will use this excuse like, you know, sometimes in a proper moment of anger, you know, a, a, a properly placed curse word is appropriate. And I don't agree. Like scripture says There's so many other words. Yeah. You use should have else. a well-trained tongue. And if you don't have a vocabulary that can communicate your anger without using a four-letter word, you don't have a very well-trained tongue. Like, that's just my opinion. Or, or you don't have a very big vocabulary. Yes. Sorry. You know, sorry, or buy so a sorry. thesaurus and, like, yeah. or an Urban Dictionary thesaurus. I don't know if they have the curse words in there, but, like, I just, you know. And that's, we were talking about how rare that is, like, for people not to. Yeah. And, like, I feel like anytime I recommend a movie or a show to someone, I have to caveat it by saying, apart from any sexual innuendo or content there may be i also have to say oh and there's not super great language yes you know and it's like i shouldn't have to do that majority of but it's become so commonplace in the world well and it's okay so i'm just gonna say this i there's so many people in my life that curse and i love them all so much um and this is not directed towards anybody in particular but it's just that it's so rare like we said to find somebody that doesn't curse Mm -hmm. and then on top of it it's so distasteful because mm-hmm. it's just, like, thrown in there, like, it's no longer for a shock factor. Because yeah. it used to kind of be for a shock factor. Like, ooh, here, let me throw this in there because it's yeah. funny. I'm going to be provocative. Yeah. But it's <laughs> no longer like that. It's just become a part of our vocabulary that is so unnecessary and distasteful. And it's not attractive. And yeah, I never could just once, go on. I could just go on. Never once has a girl gone to her parents and said, you're going to love my boyfriend. He curses. He drops F-bombs all the time. Yeah. And I just love him so much. No. Nobody does. But we accept it yeah. because it's 
culturally normative, you know what I mean? We know from a very young age, our parents teach us, poop is a, like, don't say poop words, don't say potty words, mm -hmm. and then don't say these words, and we just don't, and then we get older, and it becomes this cool thing, a new hip thing to do, and now yeah. it's just this thing that everybody does. Yeah. I don't, for me, especially when I hear people drop the F-bomb, like, that immediately in my mind downgrades their level of, like, respect and professionality, like, yeah. in my mind. Like, I just... I have less respect. Like I just, when I hear people use that word, um, and it's just something that happens naturally and I, it's not out of judgment, but it's just like, okay, like this is the type of person that you are. Like I kind of make that yeah. assumption and maybe I shouldn't do that, but I think like we have to recognize how important our language is in those moments of anger and that when you're using righteous anger, when you're operating out of a place of righteous anger, it's really a great opportunity to operate from a place of communicating why you're angry but if you just curse and you just like say like oh this is so effing stupid or whatever like you're just throwing out all these curse words it's like you're not no what benefit is that for the people around you like mm -hmm. who's learning about why this is an injustice or why mm -hmm. this is irreverent or why you're so you know fueled by this behavior that you're outraged against mm -hmm. you know use proper language and operate out of a place of love and saying like, you know, I want to correct this. You know, in Matthew 18, there's this idea of, of fraternal correction where if, if a brother sins, that you try and go to him privately and, and work it out. And if it doesn't, you bring two people and you try and you talk about it. And if that doesn't work, you bring them to the church. And there's a sense of like, we have a responsibility to one another to correct one another's behavior. And I think language is part of that. Um, when I was in, um, in high school, um, anytime someone took the Lord's name in vain, there was this person I knew who anytime they heard that, they would just like, just like kind of playfully almost just be like, Hey, Lord's name. And then would just like walk away. And it was like such a like mm, convicting, like but also loving recognition of like that person knew that name was meant to be treated with reverence and they heard it blasphemous, but they didn't say like, who the heck are you to say that? Or like yeah. very judgmental it was just like, Hey, like recognize other people see this as something much more important than you're treating it as. But it was just like two words, like Lord's name. Yeah. And then he would, that he would just keep going, you know, like in the conversation as if nothing had happened, like someone had just sneezed and he was just saying, God bless you. Mm -hmm. You know, like just be like, Oh, Lord's name. And he would just kind of point at you and like with a little smirk on his face, just be like, you know, watch out. But if you keep doing it, I'm totally going to wreck you. Like he had that kind of look on his face. Like, and it was just like, it was very, I had respect for that mm -hmm. because that person wasn't babying me into understanding. It was just like, this is the way things should be. Yeah. And so I'm just going to respond. And it wasn't wrathful. It was, it wasn't even like a righteous anger. It was just being righteous, you know, like putting things in their right order. Um, What's interesting though, yeah. too, is that we know we're fully aware that that kind of language should not, um, well, cursing and then using the Lord's name. We know that if we're at church, we shouldn't use that kind of language. Yeah. Right. But the minute we step off, we get onto the curb, we go out in the parking lot, we leave, all of a sudden it's back in our vocabulary. Yeah. But that's super two-faced, mm -hmm. and we shouldn't be using that kind of language. If we know that it doesn't belong in the church, then it doesn't belong outside yeah. in our society and in our conversations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see what scripture says about a couple of these things. Um, Proverbs, we've been looking a lot at Proverbs, and so I want to encourage you again, if you feel like any of these episodes on the seven deadly sins have been like, yeah, I need to really work on this, read Proverbs because there's such great advice in Proverbs and every single one of our episodes um, touches on one part of Proverbs. So um, Jenna's going to read Proverbs 29, 11. 
Fools give vent to all their anger, but the wise, bidding their time, control it. So I think this goes back to what you were saying before. Like, we can sit in our anger, Mm -hmm. and that's okay, because that's allowing us for a moment to just like, no, I'm going to be angry right now because I'm in control. Like, I'm in control. I'm going to allow this to be what it needs to be, but I'm not going to give full vent to it, meaning like I'm not going to just, you know, when someone calls you like, I just need to vent, you know, because... They just need to let it out and spew kind of like no, no holds barred, no judgment. Like, I'm just going to say what I want to say. That's not what we're supposed to do when it comes to anger. We're not supposed to just let it out aimlessly because then it can turn into wrath and rage and fury and all those things. But we want to make sure that we are having wisdom when we're looking at it. We're not being foolish and we're allowing ourselves to kind of bring ourselves to a calm place once we've processed it. So we're not saying bury your anger. No. We're not saying don't be angry. Mm-hmm. We're saying recognize that anger should be a response to the ways in which love is not being lived out in the world. And you have a proper and righteous way in which you can correct that behavior that doesn't harm or act on hate. Mm-hmm. Or you can just be angry and respond foolishly or childishly. And that normally comes from a place of your own fear and insecurity. And so to recognize if you do that a lot, if that's something you tend to do, to respond in such a way, make sure you're asking yourself, what am I afraid of? How is this challenging me? How is this making me feel insecure? Why do I respond the way that I do? Um, yesterday was St. Maximilian Colby's feast day, and I wrote down, it's really actually funny that I wrote this down, I wrote down a, a quote from him, a single act of love makes the soul return to life. And when we are angry and we let that anger brew and and fester and grow, um, we are not loving, like you said. We're not Mm -hmm. acting in love. But the minute that we process why we're angry and what injustice has happened, Mm -hmm. we allow that love back in and to kind of revitalize us and see like that person was probably really hurt or the situation was not the best or Mm -hmm. whatever. And it brings us back to life and recognizing that... um, we can act in a certain way of love mm-hmm. and be proper and not act out and lash out and make the whole situation a thousand times worse. Yeah. And, you know, if you've ever taken a parenting class or been around good parents, in moments where they are really angry or frustrated at their children, great parents, what they do is, like, say, all right, let's – you go cool off. I'm going to cool off. And we're going to talk about this later. Mm-hmm. You know, and so there's a sense, like, you're going to be held responsible for your actions – but I also need to be held responsible for my reaction. Mm. And so, like, I'm going to cool down, you're going to cool down, and that's how it's going to be. And this is so great, you know, um, for parents who, like, your kid comes home late after curfew. Um, oh, gosh. You know, I know this is, like, a nightmare for us because we're, like, just, like, stay a baby forever. <gasps> Don't grow up. But, like, the best um, – I've, I've taken a lot of childhood development classes and, and, you know, read a lot about discipline and stuff like that. And the best practices I've heard is, like – you know, go to bed, we're both going to cool off and we're going to talk about this in the morning. And most child psychologists, most parents who have experience in this say, inevitably in the middle of the night, that kid is going to come in your room and just like Mm. apologizing because they just, they recognize what they did was wrong. And because Mm. you didn't respond out of like a sense of, of anger or wrath, you're now not the one that needs to apologize. Mm -hmm. There's, there's a sense of like, you've given them the respect to be able to say like I'm acknowledging what you did was wrong but I also love you enough not to just yell in your face right now so I'm going to go cool off because I want to be in control of my emotions and we're going to talk about this logically you know and and talk about it together tomorrow and what the consequences are going to be it's not like I'm going to calm down so I don't give you proper consequences 
but it's I'm going to calm down so I don't make this bigger than it needs to be. Right. And so I recognize, I correct what needs to be corrected in a loving way, but I'm not responding in wrath because I'm afraid of the fact that you could have been hurt or I didn't know where you were or I'm insecure about the fact that I'm not being a good parent because you're out late. Sometimes kids just make mistakes. Sometimes the kid's just like, I actually legitimately lost track of time. That was never the case with me. I would just say those things as excuses. <laughs> However, those things can, I have heard, they have been known to happen. So oh it's just gosh. something to think about. Um, and the other way I think that anger, um, we can be knowledgeable of anger is in our relationships. You know, we always hear like, this is the cliche marriage advice when you're getting married. Never go to bed angry. Oh my gosh. Don't ever go to bed angry. <laughs> and I think... I think in a sense, like, that's somewhat good advice, but, because it says in Ephesians, like, don't let the sun set on your anger, um, and, but to recognize, like, it's okay to be angry, but to not go to bed in a state of wrath or hate because of your anger. Yeah. Um, to recognize, like, that maybe you have to have the same, you know, reaction to your spouse. Like, you know, like, I'm really frustrated by the situation today, but I don't want to be talking about this just in terms of emotion so I love you let's just go to bed and get some rest and talk about this when we're freshly rested and caffeinated like in the morning and normally at that point you've had time to kind of think through it and recognize like that's not a good way to say that you know but if you're the type of person who rehearses arguments in your head or in the car when you're by yourself or in the mirror you know like to recognize like if that's your outlet if that's what you need to do so that that's not going to be what you say in front of the other person, yeah. then then that might be a healthy practice for you to just kind of wisely allow yourself to be righteous in your anger and like vent in the proper context and then let it go. Mm-hmm. But also at the same time recognizing like you also deserve to be heard. You need to be able to get your point across and, and there's a way that that can, that can be done well and there's a way that that can be done not well. And, okay, so addressing it and saying... I'm angry. We need to go our separate ways for right now. Mm-hmm. Is what you need to do, not just going to sleep. Yes, yes. <laughs> so yes, making sure that in You're in any situation it. you acknowledge it. Yeah. And then move on. Yeah. And then come back to it once yeah. everybody's. So I would say never go to bed with unspoken or festering anger. Yes. But you can go to bed frustrated, or you can go to bed angry but knowing that there's going to be a resolution in the morning yeah. um, and making sure that you ha- you make the effort to put time you know aside in the morning and not just be like Into okay we have kids now so our morning's going to be crazy so actually we probably won't talk about it until maybe tomorrow night and then I'm going to have a whole nother day of frustrations because I'm going to be thinking about this conversation yep. and be really short with other people and then it and keeps building yeah and then it keeps festering it so you really have to make sure mind. that if you are putting it off it's because you want to set aside any you know, rash emotions mm-hmm. and you want to be, you know, well-reasoned and rested when you have that conversation, not just because you're afraid of having it or you want to rehearse what you're going to say. Those are, are bad reasons. Um, and so just to be, be acknowledging that, um, there's a couple more St. Quotes that I think we'll put in the show notes, but um, I just want to read one. And this is from St. Thomas of Villanova. And he says, dismiss all anger and look a little into yourself. Remember that he of whom you are speaking is your brother, and as he is in the way of salvation, God can make him a saint, notwithstanding his present weaknesses. You may fall into the same faults, or perhaps into a worse fault. But supposing that you remain upright, to whom are you indebted for it, if not to the pure mercy of God? 
And I think that's just something to bring into every conversation to recognize like Dang. God's trying to make this person a saint. Yeah. And this person's my brother, this person, I want to get this person to heaven. And to recognize there's that great story we've shared before of Penn and Teller where Penn Gillette, who's an atheist, um, was approached by a Christian who tried to evangelize him. And he talked about how he really respected him because he would, he would say, if you're a Christian and you believe that salvation is that necessary, how much do you have to hate someone to not offer them that message of heaven, to not proselytize is the word he uses. Um, and so we need to make sure that we're not doing the opposite, that we're not allowing our anger to get in the way of leading us to heaven leading of that other person to heaven as well that every time that we recognize anger it's not just so that we can be the person with the witty remark or the last word or to make the other person feel small it's because we want to come to a place of reconciliation that's always why so the virtue um, that we want to seek after if we're dealing with anger struggling with anger is fortitude fortitude is unique because it's one of the um cardinal virtues and it's also one of the seven gifts of the holy spirit it's the only like doubled one um in any like list of our like seven and twelve and nine catholic things so um so what fortitude is it's basically it's a firmness of spirit and so in times of adversity anger is when we respond maliciously in times of adversity fortitude is when we respond courageously in times of adversity that's basically the opposite it's, it's basically acting with love acting with a sense of righteousness a sense of things are in their proper order, standing firm, being steadfast, um, in spite of whatever difficulties are faced in the performance of your vocation or whatever responsibilities you have, whatever the situation might be. Um, and so there are two ways this manifests. There's the suppression of inordinate fear and then curbing of recklessness. So the suppression of inordinate fear is recognizing like, I'm afraid of this and I'm not going to respond cowardly or trying just to belittle someone who's challenging me or causing me to be afraid and act out of anger and also not being reckless and not just saying like I don't care I'm mad you know you see this a lot with like the rebellious stages and teenagers I remember like I had a lot of pent-up aggression and so I would just do dumb stuff like I yeah. would just like I'm gonna jump off this building <laughs> and I'm gonna roll down that hill because I want to be a ninja like those are legitimate things I did I'm not making those up like and that was all from a place of, of recklessness and, and recognizing, like, that's not fortitude. That's not real courage. That's responding out of a place of, like, I'm afraid of the way that people might see me as a coward, so I'm going to do some dumb gesture uh, to recognize, like, to have people say, like, oh, look at him. Look how great yeah. he is, you know? Yeah. Um, you know when people, you see, I don't know if you've ever witnessed this, but somebody um, attacking somebody, like yelling at somebody and yeah. super angry. And then that, the other person on the receiving end just stands there and nods. Mm -hmm. I just like, I love those situations <laughs> personally, because I love that the receiving person is just taking it, mm -hmm. but also like accepting and, and probably knowing that this person is hurting in some way, shape or form. Yeah. And we get this a lot, actually a lot for me with confirmation parents. Mm-hmm. Just and it's com becoming confirmation season, so I have to like really get into my prayer <laughs> and be have a lot of fortitude. Uh, but knowing that the person that is yelling at you has some kind of fear, like you said, mm -hmm. and that you just have to kind of sit there and take it for a minute and then say what, like, what's truly going on? Yeah. You know, what's what's actually the issue here? Because I don't think it's this, this, or this. I think yeah. it's there's some kind of fear or yeah. doubt in your mind. To be able to see, like, say. I can see that you're angry and like 
you want what's best for your child and mm-hmm. so do I. So like, let's talk about how we can both Work it try out. and do that. You know, yeah. you're the parent, you obviously know what your child needs best. I want to be able to support you in that. Like, I want to be able to help you. So let me tell you why this thing you're frustrated about is going to help you yeah. in that. I think a lot of times we're just like frustrated by being busy or frustrated by like, oh, this is just too much. I can't deal with this. Like they don't understand. And we respond in that way. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, not helpful uh, yeah. in those moments, you know. Um, I had an old, uh, my old boss, we were out to lunch was, once, and our waitress um, had um, been a parishioner um, at the church where we worked at, and he was like, hey, it's good to see you. I haven't seen you at church in a while. Like, we'd love to see you back. And something, I guess, had happened to where she really, like, felt like she couldn't go back to church. I can't remember what it was. It was she got in an argument with someone or someone was judgmental toward her, um, something like that. Um, so legitimate, she had a legitimate reason. Um, but she responded very angrily. She's like, how dare you ask me that? Like, you have no idea what I've been through. And like yelled at him in the middle of this restaurant. Mm. And just all eyes were on him. And she like, she left, I think, to get us a new waitress because she didn't want to serve our table. And <laughs> I was at, sitting at the table with him and two other people. And we all kind of looked at him and were like, are you okay? And he was like, yeah, she's probably just having a bad day. Mm. And then it was just like nothing had happened. You know, like the anger did not even for a second throw him off. Um, And so that's real fortitude. And so if you're struggling with anger, I want to encourage you to pray for the intercession of our saint for this episode. And that is good old St. Peter. St. Peter, (laughs) he he just couldn't keep his anger in sometimes. Um, His feast day is June 29th. We don't, we, you know, pretty much everything that we know about him from scripture. Um, There's a couple other writings from the church fathers about, you know, how he may have died and and things like that. But we know, obviously he was the first Pope. We know that he was the, the, like the chief or captain of the apostles in a sense. He was the most important, the closest to Jesus, the one that Jesus gave authority to, um, told him he would be the founder of the church uh, in Matthew 16, 18. Um, and we have all these great um, stories of St. Peter where he responds, um, you know, either recklessly or in anger. And I love that because he has this sense of, like, faith that's so trusting in God. Like, he, he walked on water. And after Pentecost, he preached to 3,000 people and they were all baptized. Um, or the fact that he was the first pope. Like, he led the church despite the fact that after Jesus gives him the keys and the authority virtually the next thing that Jesus says to him because of a misunderstanding um, that Peter has about Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Like, literally calls him the devil. Like, and just to recognize, like, the rashness of of that. And then Peter denying Jesus three times and saying, like, you know, oh, I don't know him. I don't know him. Um, And when, uh, when Jesus is in the garden being taken and the guard goes to take him, he draws his sword and he cuts off the guard Malchus's ear. Like, and Jesus is like, what are you doing? And just, like, freaking heals the guy's ear. Like, like, get it together, Peter. Like, that's the same Peter. That angry, um, rash, sometimes rage-filled Peter that became the first shepherd of our church and, like, acted in such fortitude and out of such faith. And so um, if you really struggle with anger, with wrath, with frustration in that sense, or, and being able to control that emotion, um, pray for the intercession of St. Peter because he knows it. And I think yeah. that's the reason why those stories ended up in Scripture. Because Peter, like St. Mark, for instance, he wrote the first, he was the earliest gospel written. Mark was a traveling companion of Peter. There it is. And there's the anger of the baby. You can hear it. 
Mark was a traveling companion of Peter. He interviewed Peter. He asked Peter what happened with Jesus. And Peter did not leave out these stories that made him look terrible. Yeah. Because he, I think, saw a purpose to his anger. So I think this means we've been talking too long because baby's crying. So it's great to have you back, Jenna. So glad to have you back. Um, And so uh, please rate and review this podcast. Share it with your friends. Um, support us on Patreon. You can get to that and email us and all of our blogs and vlogs on manafoodforthought.com. Um, thank you so much for listening. Support us on Patreon if you can financially for as little as a dollar a month. And until next time, we will see you in the Eucharist. Bye. Bye.